the same hand. My first memory of my dad is me waking up. I think I was two years old. I heard some noises, walked out of my bedroom and saw my dad standing in the bathroom, which had been flooded. I think he just left the water on too long and the shower curtain that had not been put in right. I don't, I don't know. Him and my mom were fighting. And the next thing I know, he's getting into a cab and I'm looking at my bedroom window, watching him leave. I don't remember seeing anything. I was not speaking. I wasn't even part of the situation. I was just looking at it from a small distance. For a long time, I thought he left because my mom made him because they'd been fighting about him flooding the bathroom. But it turned out he was scheduled to leave after visiting with us for a few weeks. It happened. And then I don't think we ever really talked about it until she told me. I didn't ask her. I, uh, well, I must have asked her what had happened because at some point she told me, oh, he didn't leave because we'd been fighting. He left because he was scheduled to leave. But I don't remember when that was. Maybe when I was like five or six. My mom always said it was a good thing he wasn't there because he wouldn't have been able to support us. It was never really about them fighting or not being able to be together. Just about his incapabilities and that it was good that he was not around. I believe my mom. I felt she must know what's good for me, what's important in raising a kid. She knew how to do that, how to support me financially, how to support me emotionally, how to make my life comfortable. And, and I never really second-guessed what she told me about him. He would write me letters. He would send me gifts, usually that were not really cool. As I got older, I started to care less and less until I felt kind of indifferent and I would ignore his phone calls and not write letters back. And as I got older, he would blatantly just ask me, please go get your mom because I need some money. But in the beginning it was sweet and he would tell me he loved me and just, I think normal things dads do when their kids are not with them. He wasn't really a part of my life. He was there, but he was there as a void. When I got into my teens, I was too involved with school life and family life and friends to care about this man who had given me life, but who was never really there to give me anything else except for like a Spice Girls pillowcase. I did wish, I think secretly for some father figure, but not him. I never saw him as the guy I would go to for like advice or to, or shoulder to cry on. So I, if he wasn't that, and he, I did not know what he, what he could be. I did not have a desire for him to be more involved in my life. My mom and I were alone, just the two of us, until I was seven. And then she met my stepdad, Paul, who moved in with us a year after they got together. In the beginning, it was cool. I felt like I had a second chance to build a relationship with a man and have a father figure, but not much changed in terms of a guy I could have an emotional connection with. So in the beginning, I did hope that something could change, but it never really did. I had hoped I would have a family life that would be comparable to the one that my friends had, whose parents were all still married. I thought that 
if the pieces were all put in the right position. There was a, a woman that was a mom and then there was a guy who would, who could be a dad and there was a kid. Then that would create a family situation that I wanted, but it didn't happen that way. He was just in the house and so was I and we coexisted. Not with any animosity, but not a strong bond either. I didn't know what to do. I was a kid and my stepdad didn't know what to do either. He has a son, Alexander, who lived with his mom. So he didn't really grow up with his dad. Paul didn't know how to raise kids past a certain age. And I think he especially didn't know how to raise me because I was loud and foul-mouthed and super curious. And I don't think he felt equipped to deal with that. I think I knew by then I had a different way of thinking. At that time, I thought I was mentally challenged because I thought differently. And it made me feel separate from other people. I remember being able to analyze social structures where other people would just sit around, have their coffee, eat their pie, and just have little chit-chat afternoons. And I felt that I could see hidden motives or what other people really thought of each other. I would tell my mom and my mom would try to understand, but she wouldn't be able to see it. And then after a while, I stopped talking to other people about it because usually people thought I was, or well, usually people told me I was, I was odd or wrong. So things that were positive became negative, being met with indifference by other people. Nobody else could see that I could see it. So there wasn't really any benefit apart from me being able to tell myself, oh, see, that's happening. People weren't able to see that I needed encouragement because they were not in the same mind space. I never thought, wow, I really need some support from a grown-up who can say, oh, you're, you're okay, the way you think is okay. On the day I was born, my mom met a couple at the hospital. The woman had just given birth to a girl named Susan. Her name is Bea, and her husband, Leon, became friends with my mom. And Susan and I were put together in the playroom. My mom was alone for most of that, and she really looked up to Bea and Leon because she thought they're together, they're married, they have a nice stroller, they have a nice house, they have nice jobs. She's a teacher, they must know how to raise a kid. And I'm going to look to them for help and support. It became apparent quite early on that Susan and I were very different from each other. She was sweet and blonde and soft-spoken and well-behaved. And I was the opposite. But yeah, we would be together daily before we went to elementary school. And then as we started going to school, we would see each other every day, play with each other, be together on weekends, have sleepovers, have dinners together, celebrate Christmas together, Just like a family. Paul, my stepdad, incidentally, is the brother of Leon. So when he married my mom, we all became a family and Susan became my cousin. Because we had such a strong bond with Susan and her parents, I felt that when Paul came into the family, we would all be a real big family and be super happy and be like the IKEA catalog. I felt that if everything was set in the right place, it would happen, but it didn't. In the beginning, I felt I could be part of this bigger thing, 
And I was part of this bigger thing, but it wasn't just, it just wasn't a thing that I should have been part of. I was not supposed to be part of the family that was made up of so many people who had difficult childhoods and who had insecurities that translated into me taking the fall for it, I think. The older we got, the more different we got. Susan would be this popular girl, skinny, blonde, an eye for fashion, the right friends. And I was a, a geek, I guess, more concerned about her trumpet than I was about the way I dressed or the people I hang out with. Everything we did was compared. I, th I think we had similar hobbies and similar interests, at least until we were 12. We would both be in marching band and we would we, we attended the same school, we had the same friends, so there were a lot of fields in which we could be compared to each other. And then as we got older, that changed. That created a rift and it created tension because on the one hand, I felt that I was fine just the way I was. And on the other hand, I could kind of sense that it wasn't according to the standard that I thought was there. And that made me feel insecure. Susan was the standard, because I think I made myself believe whatever her mom was saying about her and whatever her mom was saying about me was right and was the truth. And her mom was saying, you're going to be partying every weekend, all weekend by the time you're 14, or you're never going to get into college. And Susan will, because she's really smart. What I was doing wasn't good enough. And I didn't feel motivated to be more like her, but I also felt that I should want that. And I don't like that I'm going to say this, but I knew from an early age that she was things that I didn't want to be. She was too obsessed with fashion. She was too obsessed with boys and makeup and not academics or creative stuff, music, reading, learning. When I was younger, I knew that what I was doing was more uh, suitable to what I wanted to be in life, but still I kind of felt like it was wrong. I think mainly because I don't know how to do anything else. Lord knows my mom has tried to get me to go shopping with her and get new clothes and get all excited about it, but I'm comfortable wearing this and then having two identical sets of jeans and then a shirt in my closet and that's it. It was a tension that was usually not talked about. At times, rare times, my aunt and I would talk about it, BNI. When I was 15, 16, we would go watch Susan play tennis and we would sit with each other for hours talking. I could sense she kind of started to realize that it was fun talking to me, but usually it was like everybody was holding a huge grudge. I think the problem was that Susan's mom wanted a perfect child and some of the traits that she considered part of a perfect child were traits that I had and that her daughter didn't have. And I think that made her jealous. I don't know that I think that. When we were 17, Susan and I were hanging out, chatting. We were talking about growing up together, about her relationship with her mom, about my relationship with her mom. And well, she asked me how, how I thought of the difficulties that her mom and I had always had together. And I told her that I felt her mom wanted a certain type of family and I, I didn't fit the bill. I think her mom, thought I was cocky and too opinionated for my age and in general. As I, the older I got, the 
more often I would speak up and, and tell her she was wrong about something if I knew she was wrong about something. And she didn't take it that well. I told her I thought the reason for our relationship being the one that it was, was the fact that her mom couldn't stand up to me the way she wanted to. I think she wanted to tell me, shut your mouth. You're a kid, you know nothing. I'm the parent, I know this. I think that's what she wanted to say to me because that's what she said to other people. And that was that, we talked about it a little more. I went home after that and then we didn't talk for a few days and what was pivotal was that it was the last time I ever spoke to her. I think Susan told her mom a lie. She told her parents that I had supposedly said that her mom had abused me so badly I was put in a group home for three years. And the first thing I thought when I heard that was, how could I have been sent away if I was in your elementary school in the same grade every year for eight years straight. But I guess other people didn't feel that that was logical. After that, there was silence. And through other people, I learned that they had decided to not speak to me anymore or to my mom or stepdad. Because I think everybody didn't want to hang out with each other anymore. And this was a good reason to make that happen. And we went on about our lives. We would visit my step-grandmother only when we knew the other people wouldn't be there. Paul and Leon's other brother, Otto, still did kind of keep in touch with the family until one day he called Bea to congratulate her because she just had a birthday. And she said, let's get together soon. And then he said, sure, that's fine. But first we're gonna take a trip to London with Marion, my mom, and Paul. And then Bea hung up the phone and decided she wasn't going to speak to them anymore either. I've always had nightmares slash fantasies about a school reunion when I would see Susan again. But I never thought of talking to them, going to their house, calling them, writing them a letter. I was too afraid that they would shut the door in my face or hang up the phone or send back a letter or deny what I had to say and deny me. I don't think that I had a hard time not seeing them anymore because we'd kind of grown apart too much. But I did feel really bad because I felt that I was the reason the family was broken up. I was just angry, man. I just, I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to have anything to do with them. I, I think deep down I did because I wanted to explain myself, but I also felt like I couldn't. So. I got angrier and angrier and angrier. I was mad at myself. I, on occasion, threw plates on the floor. I cut myself. I'd been doing that for a while, but it got worse after that. Bea died a few years ago. To my knowledge, her husband is alone. Susan is living with her boyfriend. She has a child, a small boy. The only things I know about them, I know through people who still live there and whom I talk to occasionally. Or my mom who will go, I didn't want to tell you this, but I'm gonna, and then she'll tell me something about them. And she'll be afraid that I'm gonna have this meltdown, but I, 
don't I distanced myself from her a few years ago. Not so much because I am convinced that she doesn't have the power to keep me safe, which at the time she didn't. So I don't bother her with things that are happening because I know that she's really concerned about me. She was then and she's even more so now. It's nice to feel that that's unconditional, even though it might not be, but it feels like that. And with the other family, there was a condition. I saw him when I was 14, when I went to Portugal to meet my stepsister. We met briefly, spent the afternoon together. He's very slowly turning into my dad. And I'll tell him stuff that I don't tell my mom and he'll respond differently because he doesn't know what I'm capable of doing to myself or other people. And he, he doesn't know my background, so he's a little more unfazed by what I have to say to him. That's nice. The Same Hand is a project produced and edited by Duncan Gidney. Our website is thesamehand.com, where you can find more info and other episodes. Thanks so much for listening.